0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the story of a Wall Street investment shark who has taken his talents to the field of medical research. He says it can accelerate development of a cure for conditions such as Alzheimer's, but does corporate money come at a cost? Also this morning, while we're on the subject of debilitating diseases with no known cure, did you know that military veterans are twice as likely to be diagnosed with ALS than the general population? And after you've stocked up on pencils and filler paper and glue sticks, we have what you need to really get your kids ready for back-to-school season. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, August 16th, 2021. Today is True Love Forever Day. Aw, isn't that sweet true love forever day today It is also a National Roller Coaster Day in honor of the roller coaster being patented on this date in 1898 1898 It's all the way back to so of course roller coasters were quite different in 1898 than what they are now but nonetheless National Roller Coaster Day National Bratwurst Day National Rum Day and National Tell a joke day. I thought I just did. It's true love forever day. I thought I just did tell a joke. That's it. Okay. All right. So uh, did you watch the Field of Dreams game? Major League Baseball's Field of Dreams game last week has done wonders for the movie. Uh, Amazon reports that sales of... Field of Dreams, the movie on Blu-ray and DVD, are up to number six on their list since the big game between the White Sox and the Yankees last week. Prior to Thursday night's game in Dyersville, Iowa, the movie had ranked around 3,500 on the list. (laughs) On the top 100 list, Field of Dreams was like number 3,500. And now it is up to number six, Uh, Major League Baseball and Fox Sports say it was the most regular, uh, the most watched regular season game, not only of this season, but of the past 16 years. How about that? It's pretty cool. Uh, And it was uh, really kind of a a cool, uh, a cool event, kind of a cool night. Uh, anyway, what else is uh, going on in the world? Kind of interesting. I don't know if you have been following this controversy of all things. I mean, who knew who would have thought that in 2021, one of the biggest dialogues, the most important dialogues we would be having in the 21st century, the 21st year of the 21st century would be showering. This would be a, a big Discussion. Uh, but showering, of all things, has been in the headlines recently as several celebrities, including Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, they were the ones who kind of brought this all up, and then everybody is weighing in on uh, showering habits. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Kirsten, uh, Kristen Bell, Dak Shepard have all chimed in on this, revealing that they don't shower or bathe their children as often as you might think. So a new one poll survey. Of Americans find that 51% say it is a must to shower regularly. Now, that's not to say every day 31, it's only 31% or I'm sorry, 31% say it's not necessary to shower every day. Uh, 35% of those who think cleanliness is vital. And wait a minute, 35% of those who believe cleanliness is vital. Who doesn't think cleanliness is vital? (laughs) Who are those people? Those are the people that I really want to know uh, about. But it says uh, 35% of those who think cleanliness is vital say they shower every day. 15% do so every other day. Only 8% take showers once a week, while 4% shower more than twice a day. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was a counter celebrity on this question, tweeting that he showers up to three times a day. And when it comes to kids, I think it was Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell said that they bathe their children only when they start to stink. (laughs) Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, who started this whole thing, say they wait until you can see the dirt on them. Uh, Perhaps surprisingly, 63% of parents agree with that approach. Really? 63% agree with that approach? I I understand that little kids sometimes don't want a bath. But, you know, just like dogs, they need them every now and then. They just 25% uh, disagree with the idea that you only shower the kids when they start to stink. I I would have hoped that it would have been higher than that. I'm sorry. Anyway... Speaking of kids, new study suggests that moms with young children increased their alcohol consumption by nearly 325% during the course of the COVID-19 pandemic. (laughs) Moms with young kids increased their alcohol consumption by nearly 325% (laughs) over the past year to 18 months. Now, mind you, drinking guidelines recommend that men allow for up to four drinks per day, but uh, no more than 14 drinks per week. For women, it's no more than three drinks a day or seven drinks a week. So a big difference between women and men, according to the guidelines. However, the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism found that Americans exceeding those guidelines increased by 27% between February and April of 2020 and 39% between February and November. More women disproportionately reported exceeding the recommended drinking guidelines than men between April and November of last year, with those parenting kids under the age of five increasing their alcohol consumption by 323% was the... I, I don't mean to laugh because this is a serious thing, but it's it's just the, the numbers are astronomical. Oh, you know, for men, it was 27%. For women in general, it was 39%. And for women whose kids are under the age of five, it was 300%. So, yeah, that is, that is actually a little frightening. But anyway, interesting stuff. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your... Monday morning started here. How'd your weekend go, by the way? Did he have a good weekend? It was beautiful weather for whatever. Uh, balloon Fest and other things going on. Ar- Arlington's Village Fest was going on this weekend, right? So uh, there was that beautiful weather for it all in all. I guess there was a little bit of rain on uh, Friday, but other than that, it was just absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, back to the old grind. Um,. Speaking of the pandemic, uh, before I got sidetracked there, new study has found that the pandemic has been hard on relationships. According to ongoing research from the University College of London's COVID-19 social study, 22% of adults suffered the disillusion of a relationship with either family, friends, colleagues, or neighbors over the course of the pandemic. 22%, that's nearly one in four, had a uh, relationship falling out. Because adults aged 18 to 29 most likely to report a relationship breakdown out of all age groups. Uh, However, 46% of young adults said the quality of their relationship with their spouse or their significant other had been better than usual during the past year. So we may have lost a friend, but we have gained a stronger relationship over the course of the past year. Kind of interesting. And you remember last week, this is a follow up story from last week when the uh, researchers came out and said that metabolism does not decrease as we age the way we once thought it did, that your body's metabolism is pretty much constant between the ages of like 20 and 60 And so apparently we can no longer blame our middle-aged weight gain on slower metabolism because that isn't what happens. Our metabolism doesn't really slow down until uh, much later in life. Well, in conjunction with that, a new study has determined that all carbs are created equal when it comes to weight gain. According to research published in the journal Advances in Nutrition, High glycemic foods or fast carbs do not make you gain any more weight than low glycemic food or slow carbs. The new data shows that there is no consistent association between BMI, body mass index, and uh, dietary GI. So, in other words, all all carbs are equal and our metabolism doesn't slow down. This is not good news for... Middle-aged people looking to explain away their expanding waistline. But anyway, and one final note among the first things that you need to know this morning. This is very important stuff. More pumpkin spice everything news as we approach the end of summer. The pumpkin cookie butter shake and the pumpkin pie blizzard treat are coming back to Dairy Queen beginning August 30th. August 30th. I think mean, Starbucks uh, announced their pumpkin spice latte or whatever. Uh, and now Dairy Queen has announced the pumpkin pie blizzard treat and the pumpkin cookie butter shake will be available at Dairy Queen beginning August 30th for a limited time. So, I just want to make sure that I keep you up to speed on all of the important news of the day. That is, here you go, some of the first things you need to know. To get your Monday morning started.
1: WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast showers possibly a thunderstorm today with a high around 80. The Ohio Department of Transportation reports a number of construction projects coming this week. A culvert replacement on State Route 12 just east of County Road 140 on Findlay's west side will divert traffic for five days with a detour posted. U.S. 224 east of Findlay to the Seneca County line will be restricted to one lane for a paving project. Traffic will be maintained, though delayed. The ramp from Lima Avenue to northbound I-75 will be closed today for guardrail repairs and finish work on I-75 through the City of Findlay will result in intermittent lane restrictions. The State Route 698 closure for a bridge replacement continues between Genera and County Road 313, and State Route 199 between Cary and Upper Sandusky also remains closed as a bridge is replaced. Continued work on the Poe Road bridge over I-75 in Bowling Green may restrict traffic on the highway at times, and pavement work on US-23 south of Faustoria to the Wyandotte County line continues, meaning lane restrictions and delays along that route. COVID-19 cases in Hancock County are rising. Hancock Public Health announced on Friday that the county recorded 69 new cases over the prior seven days, 13 new hospitalizations, and one new death. Those trends put the county back in the levels of late April as the second wave of infections was waning. The rate of 83 cases per 100,000 rank as substantial spread by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. At that level, the CDC recommends that all people wear masks when indoors in public, no matter one's vaccination status. The latest numbers on COVID vaccinations show some improvement in Hancock County. 51% of Hancock County residents 18 and over have been fully vaccinated, though that is well below the statewide figure of 58% and 62% nationwide. More news online 24 hours a day at WFIN.com. In for Matt Demchek, I'm John Marshall on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5
0: FM. To your health this morning, more than 6 million Americans live with Alzheimer's, and one in nine people age 65 or older has Alzheimer's, making it the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S., as currently there is no cure. And moreover, one of the most frustrating things for patients, for families, for doctors is that even effective treatments are few and far between and often come with great controversy. Joining us this morning is veteran Wall Street investor Todd Alt the 3rd. He is the founder of Alzamend Neuro, which is working to accelerate research into a uh, cure, treatment or ultimately a cure for Alzheimer's. And Todd, I want to start with the the obvious question. You go from Wall Street investor to medical research pioneer. I guess this is a perfect example of what we always talk about, public-private partnerships. It's a little more complicated in, than that. You know, or investor, uh, investors and in, in, in private research. So to go
2: back to the beginning of this, how this got started, my father has Alzheimer's. He's been in the clinic for about two months. He's in a, 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 a effectively care for people with Alzheimer's.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, my mother-in-law passed away from it. My grandparents died from it. And, uh, I was effectively watching a, a show on CNN with Sanjay Gupta and learned about a vaccine with the university of South Florida and was really sad about my mother-in-law passing away and what things, what things were happening to my father. And I called the university up. I called the doctor up there and, uh, licensed the drug, told my 15 year old daughter at the time, I'm going to try to cure Alzheimer's, which was probably insane when I said it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she realized how insane I was when I said it. <laughs> uh, and here we are six years later. Alzheimer's neuro is now public on the NASDAQ. It went public this June 15th. And just two weeks ago, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has given us a study may proceed letter to put the first drug, AL-001, into human beings. And so we're going to start treating human beings with, with uh, uh, AL-001 help slow the progression of Alzheimer's. And that is our first drug. We have a second drug with the University of South Florida, a vaccine, which is a mutant peptide, where we take your blood and we treat it with this, vac- this mutant peptide and put it back in your system to clear the neural pathway. So this is not a conceptual idea. This is an idea that's been cleared by the FDA to go into human beings. The second vaccine we expect to be cleared in, in uh, December or January. And so we're a company that has brought together the money and the resources. Uh, it took a while; it was not easy uh, to go into well, human beings. So and, that's where we are.
0: And that's and that's really what I want to dig into here. Talk about how you develop this type of partnership between investors and private research. How the private sector gets involved in you know medical research.
2: Well, let me let me give you a scenario applied to today. Right now, we have Operation Warp Speed and those vaccines that came out from Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, etc. Those happen in record time. Across the uh, the country, there are universities that have developed treatments and cures for all kinds of diseases that don't have funding that are developed by scientists, very smart scientists, chemists, doctors, and they don't get out of the research clinic to human beings. So what happened here was There was me wanting to help my father, really to save my wife someday, because I'm fearful she'll get it. And I was motivated by the fact that I knew people on Wall Street that would invest with me, and I convinced them to let me go license this with the University of South Florida. I got my first investor to put up the money to do it, and those licenses led to this progress. Unfortunately, there's a lot of drugs out there, treatments, that are not so lucky.
0: The cost of medical uh, research, um, not just for Alzheimer's, but for, and I mean, logically, I mean, you envision this as uh, extending this and applying it to uh, other things beyond just Alzheimer's. There are an awful lot of things uh, out there that we don't uh, either don't have effective treatments for, don't have cures for, that maybe science holds the answer, but it is enormously expensive. Can you find enough private investors to make this the norm moving forward
2: um we're trying to i i we have another company, Adtech Pharma, that has a treatment for glaucoma, uh, another company that has a stem cell treatment to effectively help with knee replacement uh and shoulder replacement joint replacement uh, It's not an easy task because obviously on wall Street you're as good as your last trade so We are right now raising money for other projects in the biotech space. Um, I find it uh, a little frustrating that uh, it's not being done on a a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. The NIH does help. They do give grants to smaller companies. But if you see the way that operational warp speed works and you see the way that big pharma works biotech, they're very different, right? Those initial drugs are developed by biotech companies that are small and not very well funded. Yeah. Hopefully, that'll change over time.
0: When you inject, though, Wall Street and in, in private investor money uh, into medical research, those investors are going to expect a payoff. Uh, what's the What's the payoff, and is this going to um, raise the cost of medical care, uh, or, or is it going to lower it?
2: I can't really answer that question. For Alzheimer's, though, I can answer it, and that is this is a— hundreds of billions of dollars of cost from caretakers and from the systems, the state and local government systems that bear that cost for Alzheimer's. This is a disease that takes time. It's very expensive to take people to take care of Alzheimer's patients. And so we believe that if we get a, a, a treatment or a cure for Alzheimer's, it's going to be a net positive to the U.S. economy and sort of re diverting that money into other categories. Right. So, You've got 100 years since Dr. Alzheimer's discovered this disease, really no treatment of any kind. And so that burdensome cost on the economy would be really changed with some sort of treatment that prolongs life and makes it easier for people to keep those memories and the cognitive function that they need. The caretaking of Alzheimer's patients is very, very costly. So specifically the Alzheimer's, we think any drug will be a massive net positive uh, in terms of bringing down the overall cost of health care for Alzheimer's patients.
0: Again, uh, Todd Alt III is the founder of Alzheimer's Neuro. Uh, kind of uh, extrapolating this on out, May maybe uh, the future of medical research uh, in injecting or in the relationship between uh, investors, private investors and uh, medical research. Fascinating stuff. Where do we get uh, where do we learn more?
2: Well, it's easy to get a hold of me. Toddalt.com is my website, T-O-D-D-A-U-L-T. I'm on social media. But the company, Alzheimer Neuro, you can go to A-L-Z-A-M-E-N-D.com. A-L-Z-A-M-E-N-D.com. And I would encourage people that have a loved one or family member with this early stage, the moderate stage to pay attention here because we believe we're going to get unmet need and compassionate use. And the first drug is going to be in humans in September. This could accelerate very fast over the next year and a half. So I'd pay close attention. This isn't uh, high in the sky. This is really happening.
0: Potentially really big news that a lot of folks have been waiting a long time to hear. Todd, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Chris, thank you so much.
0: So while we are on the subject this morning of medical conditions with no known cure, we were talking about uh, Alzheimer's disease earlier. Did you know that military veterans are twice as likely to be diagnosed with ALS as the rest of the general population? Joining us this morning is Roger Brannan. He is a Marine Corps veteran uh, who has been diagnosed with uh, ALS. Talk a little bit more about his journey. Roger, first of all, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, I know you're not a doctor, but you know, having experience, firsthand experience, is there any any reason? Has it ever been explained to you why military veterans are so much, so much more likely uh, to be diagnosed with ALS, or is this something that that people just don't uh, don't know what the connection is?
3: Well, thanks for having me, Chris. And you no, know, there's there's many theories out there, and they're studying it, but there is no no firm diagnosis uh, thing that they can pinpoint of what. Yeah. Causes veterans to have ALS twice as likely as those who never served. I mean, um, you would think, um, in this day and age, they would be able to tell you what, what causes it, but the only thing they can say that de- definitively is that if you spend 90 days on active duty, you're twice as likely to get it. No matter if you served in, in Kona, in continental United States, or if you hmm. went overseas, were in a combat zone, that's, they don't there are higher into higher occurrences in the latest um studies. So um pilots and um fluid air controllers and um have higher occurrences and those that serve in desert storm have higher occurrences, but there there's no lockdown of why why there's higher yeah. occurrences. There's a lot of theories out there
0: there's nothing contained. but but nothing that uh doctors can point to specifically and say this is the reason but uh I, I suppose in a sense that's not altogether surprising given that als is has been such traditionally such a difficult disease uh to get a handle on and uh, and we know that through uh, through history how long ago uh were you diagnosed and talk a little bit about your journey with als well i was
3: diagnosed with als and. May 23rd of 2016 and medically retired from the Marine Corps, April 29th of 2017. I've, uh, been my journey in battle, um, with fight ALS and when I was first diagnosed, uh, and they told me that I had an 80% chance of dying within five years. I said I, I haven't been average in the last 27 years. <laughs> I'm not going to be average now. Well, I'm going to live for 30 years. I'm going to see my daughter walk down the aisle, and, and my son graduate high school and college. And you have to have that. If if you give up on yourself, um, you're you're giving up. And and I can't do that um, as a marine. I have a never give up attitude, and I, I'll continue to the day I die. But uh, that's a lot of people do give up, and that's sad. That um, right. We have all these things dying with ALS but um, hopefully we can find a cure. Or if we can't find a cure, find something that they extend our lives. So that instead of 80% dying within five years, we have 80% living 70 years with ALS.
0: Yeah. Um, um, let's change that. Are there specific resources given that? this uh, affects military members, uh, military veterans uh, at such a, a much higher rate than the general population are there. Um, are there resources available specifically uh, for, uh, for veterans or, or particularly for veterans uh, who are battling uh, this diagnosis that, that we can guide folks to? There is.
3: Um, and remember, I just want to highlight uh, a thing that uh, veterans with ALS are- Four times as likely to commit suicide as those veterans that, that hmm. don't have ALS. So um, that's the astronomical number if you think about it that 22 veterans are committing suicide a day. Yeah. Um, there are organizations out there. You can go to um, ALSveterans.com or IMALS.org, um, are a couple of places where you can get information about veterans with ALS or ALS in general.
0: And for the rest of us, I guess the other part of the message uh, is to raise awareness that this is uh, an issue and that there are uh, so many veterans that are in need of uh, resources and we need to redouble our efforts to figure out all that we can about this disease, work on effective treatments, work on a cure. Uh, because this is something that for whoever uh, it it impacts, uh, it is devastating, but particularly uh, for those in the uh, military community. Again, Roger Brannon is a a USMC veteran uh, diagnosed with uh, ALS. Uh, Again, the takeaway uh, veterans twice as likely to be de- uh, diagnosed as the uh, general population. And you mentioned the the websites where uh, folks can get more information, more resources uh, for themselves, for their loved ones. Let's mention that again.
3: Yes, you can go to arsveterans.com or org. There's many other organizations out there that can help you um,
0: in your fight against ALS. And we will link those resources up on our webpage as well. Roger, I got to tell you, it sounds just from talking to you that uh, ALS doesn't know what it's up against uh, in this uh, this uh, Marine Corps vet. Uh, so we wish you the, the best of luck moving forward. Thank you very much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate your service. Thank you, Chris
1: we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you is a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. I'm not sure exactly what to make of this story. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where uh, where it's from. Uh, I don't have a dateline on this. Um, a 30-year-old man uh, recently visited the doctor He had six kidney beans stuck inside his uh, private parts. Apparently, he put them there deliberately. Got it. Got a rise out of it, uh, so to speak. Doctor said that his plan was to. uh, Remove the beans. But they got stuck. He uh, then tried to pull them out using tweezers. Oh, I'm just uh, now I'm in pain here. Uh, But he eventually ended up at the hospitals where doctors had to remove the beans surgically. Uh, There he admitted that he had uh, done it deliberately and actually had done it before, but had never attempted to use that many beans. who's going for a new record, apparently. And I don't know if Guinness (laughs) officially publishes a record for the most kidney beans stuck in your... Moving on. Uh, A Wisconsin woman uh, is in trouble with the law after accidentally shooting her friend while using her gun's laser sight to play with a cat. (laughs) You know how uh, cats love to Chase laser beams, right? And uh, she figured, well, why not? She's got a laser sight on her gun. According to witnesses, 19-year-old Jashanti Pleasant visiting a friend when a 21-year-old man brought a handgun into the house. The teen picked up the gun, turned on its laser sight, and was trying to get the cat to chase it when she accidentally discharged the weapon. (laughs) The man who brought the gun to the house was standing in the doorway and was struck by a round in his thigh. <laughs> so I guess you're not going to bring your gun. Moral of the story, don't take your gun over to a friend's house if they they don't know how to handle guns. Uh, he's going to be okay. She said she believed the guns magazine had been removed and uh, is claiming that it accidentally went off, but she has been charged nonetheless with the negligent use of a weapon. I'm actually glad to hear that she wasn't the owner of the gun because some people just shouldn't own weapons. Case in point, a Florida man has been placed under arrest for threatening Disney on Twitter. Um, Steven Jordan, age 31, created a Twitter account earlier this month and made a total of 186 tweets uh, that all went along the lines of, hey, Disney. We will blow up all of your executives and their houses with C4. And here's another one. Hey, Disney, I will toss a hand grenade through their loft window. And I'm talking about uh, homes of executives. <laughs> Authorities did not uh, take that light. They were not amused. The Pinellas County Sheriff's Office says... Mr. Jordan was arrested after for uh, threatening to throw place or discharge a destructive device. What did the happiest place on earth ever do to him? what did what, did, what does he have against Mickey Mouse? I don't I don't understand but, uh, a weird story. There always has to be something out of Florida though, so reached our quota. Uh, let's see here Lake Ozark, Montana. Lake Ozark, Montana. I, that's got to be Missouri. That's got to be a typo. This is Lake Ozark is in Missouri, right? Okay. Anyway, Lake Ozark man accused of leading police on a wild chase that included several thefts, including the theft of the squad car he was placed in after being arrested the first time. He is now in fi- uh, finally in police custody. The chase began after officers responded to a shoplifting call at a local store. After which the suspect took off in a stolen vehicle, crime number two, with police in pursuit. uh, The uh, suspect was involved in a head on collision. He then left the scene of the crash and eventually went over the first layer of a cliff, jumped off a cliff to try and escape authorities uh he it didn't work he was taken into custody where police handcuffed him behind his back and shank, shackled his ankles however while police were still investigating the whole thing the suspect was able to put his hands in front of him break out of the cage between the back seat and the front seat of the squad car and stole the cruiser <laughs> just because he wasn't in enough trouble already he then reportedly abandoned the vehicle before breaking into a house and attempting to steal a boat and that's when police finally located him. <laughs> that is a full day right there. I mean, you have had a full day if you've done all of those things in one twenty-four hour period. Uh, police uh, finally caught up with him at the home. He attempted to hide under a dock where he was found and arrested by an officer. The suspect, now in custody, faces a variety of pending charges. Wow. <clears> hmm. <throat> That is a full day. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is a crazy story. You know, it has been very hot, not just in this country, but globally. A brutal heat wave across Italy has been so severe that snails in the Sicilian town of Floridia have been found dead after sizzling inside their shells. It is cooking the snails in their shells. Um... Guise uh, Papalardo, a farmer of snails used in the region's cuisine, tells the New York Times in a story that she was holding one shell amid a field of uh, dead creatures. The heat has caused the snails' feet to burn as they moved across the ground. Some snails managed to burrow in the sto- in the soil, but she wasn't optimistic about their chances either. Local temperature reading in the town this week this past week rose to nearly 124 degrees Fahrenheit, with which, if officially confirmed, would be the highest temperature ever recorded in Europe. That's when you know that it's hot. If it is so hot it is cooking snails in their shells. That's hot. There you go. That is uh, today's update and the... Uh, Broken news, today's uh, report and the odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veteran Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
2: The Finley Trojans play here on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height for all the action of Trojan football in 2021. We'll bring you every exciting play each Friday night, all season long, home and away. This is Coach Stephen Adams. The Trojans open the season at home this Friday night against Anthony Wayne. Finley Trojan Football is here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com,
0: and 95.5 FM. And now, your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, So, what is uh, more American, especially in this part of uh, Northwest Ohio, than taking your trip to the amusement park, uh as a as a summer getaway right and we're coming up on the uh, waning days and weeks of summer vacation season so maybe you're looking to you know take your family out for one more uh day out with all the rides and and so on head to cedar point or or what have you when you go to an amusement park what kind of ride do you like the most what do you make a beeline for first uh according to a new poll cbs news Roller coasters, number one. No big surprise there. Roller coasters were in first place at 35%, the respondents. Way ahead of a distant second at 13%, bumper cars. (laughs) I would not have guessed bumper cars would have been number two. Roller coasters, not a surprise, but bumper cars were number two at 13%. Uh, Tied in third place. For the most popular or, or favorite uh, amusement park rides, third place, the Ferris Wheel and the Log Ride or Water Flume. Do they even have a log ride at Cedar Point anymore? I, I think I, I don't think so. I mean, they have the, the big uh, is it Amazon Falls or whatever that the, makes the huge splash. But uh, And they have a couple of other uh, water attractions, but a traditional log ride or water flume, I, I don't know. But that was uh, Ferris wheel and log ride number, uh, number three, 10%. Said that's their favorite ride. The Tilt-A-Whirl Scrambler Rotor Spinning Rides uh, of that ilk came in at 7% and the Carousel at 6%. The uh, top answers... Uh, In this uh, poll, now they uh, broke this down by gender and 42% of men said the roller coaster is their favorite compared to just 28% of women. More men named bumper cars than did women, but just about just by 2%. So that's not so much of a, a, a big difference. I would have expected that to be a much broader gender difference, but only by 2%. More women named the Ferris wheel and the log ride or the water flume as their favorite than men, but only about by about 5%. So, again, maybe a little bit less than what you expect. Uh, When asked if they are concerned about the safety of amusement park rides when they decide whether or not to go, half of them uh, in the poll, half of the respondents were at least somewhat concerned. 21% said that they were very concerned. And 29% say they are somewhat concerned. Uh, 25% in this poll said that they are not too concerned. And 23% said that they were not at all concerned with safety of the rides. And I read a, uh, I read an article uh, one time with uh, an amusement park uh, executive, and I can't remember whether it was Cedar Fair or the Disney parks or Universal is one of the big or Six Flags, one of the big amusement park operators and one of the executives said, if people knew just how safe the rides, the thrill rides, particularly the roller coasters are, they probably wouldn't be as popular. (laughs) Because uh, he theorized, and I think he's right, uh, there is that uh, that certain adrenaline rush from feeling like you're living life on the edge, taking your life into your own hands by climbing on board these huge, gigantic roller coasters that go so fast and uh, so high and, and all of that, but... There's really not a whole lot of (laughs) risk there. If people knew how safe they were, they probably would not be as popular as they actually are. Well, with the countdown to back to school on... It is time for a little help to make a study time easier and more productive. Tech and lifestyle expert Stephanie Humphrey has what you need to ease us into another year of reading and writing and technology. Stephanie, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, uh, obviously one thing that we learned over the past year is that having that space for kids to study and, and learn and do their schoolwork, a uh, place that is uh, clean and organized and, and so on, is all important. How can we use that to set the stage for a successful school year this year?
4: Well, Chris, good morning. First of all, you can let the iRobot Roomba i3 Plus robot vacuum help you clean and maintain your space because the i3 plus has a patented dual rubber brush design so it's going to grab dirt and pet hair from hard floors or carpet Uh, the robot's filter traps 99% of cat and dog allergens and then it just returns right to its clean base when it's done cleaning and you can empty up to 60 days worth of debris into the enclosed bag the iRobot software helps the i3 plus get smart over time. So you'll get personalized cleaning schedules, you'll get helpful suggestions, and you're going to connect the I3 Plus to your voice assistant. So you can literally just speak and the I3 Plus will get started in cleaning your home. So as we're heading into the school year, we want to be focused more on homework and not housework and the Roomba <laughs> i3 plus is a great way to do that so you can get more information about that at iRobot.com
0: now uh staying organized obviously is key for success especially we've got everything back to school all of the after school activities before you know what the holidays mm-hmm. are going to be here which is going to add a whole nother oh, layer to me. all <laughs> of that uh so uh, what recommend- recommendations do you have to keep everything organized in uh, in order.
4: Right. So I have a, a easy way to manage your family schedule with a shared color-coded calendar. It's called Cozy Family Organizer, and it's going to keep track of all of those daily activities, the school events, the sports practices, the doctor's appointments. Everything's going to be all in one place so that you don't have any missed pickups and no double bookings. They have some really cool features in there to create a grocery list and find recipes as well and that's going to simplify those weeknight meals so that you know you do some advanced planning and don't have to be scrambling at the last minute at dinner time so keep your family on track during the school year and all year round with the cozy family organizer it's actually a free app in your app store or at cozy.com
0: good stuff there now uh you've got a hack that'll give us some uh, great deals on back to school spending i think the number that i saw is something like 32 dollars on uh back to school spending how do we cut that down to size
4: yeah it's- super expensive these days. So before you start any back-to-school shopping, you are going to head to Slick Deals first. It is the leading social shopping platform. Whether you're using the website, the app, or the browser extension, you get 12 million unique users that are all working to help you discover the very best deals at the top retailers across the web. So you know you're getting a good price. You're going to search for items, you're going to discover great products, you'll read reviews from a community of smart shoppers and it's kind of like having 12 million best friends that are helping you do your back-to-school shopping online so set a deal alert get notified when the item you're looking for is at a great price and head to slickdeals.net for all of your back-to-school shopping
0: and lastly obviously we know that technology is a big part of learning Uh, in the 21st century and beyond that our kids just have their gadgets that aren't cheap either how do we help protect all of those gadgets
4: Definitely. Well, you want to invest in those accessories that are going to help your family protect their technology and OtterBox for Kids combines the trusted protection of OtterBox that we all know and love with products that are designed specifically with kids in mind. So This is going to be great for back to school. The easy to use case comes in three different colors and the easy grab case stand is really good for those little hands to carry their tablets into school or you can hang it from the headrest in the car so they can watch while they're on their way. The Otterbox for kids mobile charging and audio cable bundle makes the charging process a little more durable by not having uh, those wires that'll fray easily. So, you know, whatever you're doing, whether they're at school, at home, or, or just taking a little bit of a brain break, uh, Otterbox for kids is going to make sure that those devices stay protected. And you can find more information about that at Verizon or Verizon.com.
0: Uh, that That is perfect for those parents who always cringe when they see the smartphone getting <laughs> stuffed into the backpack and the tablet being uh, jammed into the locker and, and so on. So a little peace of mind Absolutely. there. Again, uh, tech and lifestyle expert Stephanie Humphrey with what you need for back to school. Where do we get uh, more information on all of this stuff?
4: Well, you can check out my website at amatteroflifeandtech.com, or you can just head to my YouTube channel and search for Stephanie Humphrey.
0: We'll link it up on our webpage as well. Stephanie, thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, one week until the first day of school for Findlay City School students. As kids head back to school this year, the focus is not only on how they are learning, but on what they are learning or not. Along with the way it's being taught and why, we'll have an in-depth discussion the shortcomings of the modern educational curriculum. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.